people at church. So we fake it. Uh, A second answer to that question might be because I'm afraid that God will reject me if I admit things or vocalize things. So I'm afraid that God would reject me too, so I fake it. And, and then maybe the last thing that I thought about is because we just don't feel safe. We wear masks throughout our lives because we just don't feel safe in the circumstance that we find ourselves in, so, so we fake it. But there's one more video I want you guys to watch before we get into the teaching. Uh, it's, it's Ron Young is his name. He's a fellow connector down in Bozeman. And uh, he really has uh, some really good things to say about his journey with authenticity and his journey with coming to connect down in Bozeman and what that meant to him. And, and as I listened to his story, boy, it really resonated with me. There were several things that I really grabbed onto as he was describing what his life was like for, uh, for, for quite a while. So, so go ahead and roll that video. Let's pay attention to what Ron has to say. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania where I was raised Catholic. And um, as a child, I just, uh, honestly, I just absolutely loathed going to church. Uh, I saw people at church that didn't act and talk and dress the same way when I interacted with them, you know, during the week. And that was, that was a little bit difficult. If it weren't for the social aspect of, of church, uh, I probably would have stopped going. Um, my teenage years, uh, into my 20s, I had the biggest spiritual impacts uh, from listening to, to Christian music like Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, uh, Rich Mullins, and I, I, I never felt that at church. So um, I just I, could, I couldn't figure out why do I need to go to church if I have a better a better connection there. Um, years later, in 1998, I moved to Montana. I found a small uh, Bible church uh, where I met some awesome friends. Uh, it was a great church family, genuine personal connections. I just had a great time there. Several years later, I, I met my wife, my beautiful wife, an awesome wife, Carmen, um, through those friends on a, a blind date arrangement. Uh, that was fun. That's a whole other story someday. I settled on a church where Carmen loved and, and was comfortable in, and I felt happy about that. I, I, I wanted to honor that and, and give it a try, and we hoped it would make a we would make great friends. And, but the transparency, the authenticity is important to me, and I just struggled to see it there. Um, it seemed like some folks were wearing their, you know, their, their Sunday mask. And, um, and worse, the people that should not be wearing masks did. And that was, that was pretty difficult. Difficult to, to stay in connection and stay there, stay focused. Uh, to make things worse, our kids were not happy. Um, it was a struggle, um, and that was really tough for me because of because of my background, my childhood. Um, so my inclination was to put on my own mask. The thing I learned most about my mask is there are still two people that could see see truth through my mask, and that was myself and God. Um, so the question, what or who was I hiding from, kept coming into my mind couldn't get around that it wasn't going I wasn't growing I was just drifting spiritually there and that wasn't uh, I needed something else I needed something more yeah it still took me over a year to realize uh, 
these masks were robbing me of the joy of meaningful connections um, that could be and should be had within the church. The Lord started opening my eyes to my lack of conviction to lead my family. Uh, that was that was a tough one. Um, it was good. It was one of those really good, painful time to move on, time to do something here. I tried ignoring this prompting from God, knowing the potential storm it was going to create between between Carmen and I, um, because Carmen was comfortable, but the kids and I. Uh, we're not. We just weren't. We weren't getting there. It was. It was a difficult time. So on this very subject, one Sunday, I'm wrestling with God in my mind. I'm like, okay, what am I to do with this? Um, and I felt an unmistakable kick in the can, um, a spiritual kick in the can, um, to lead my family. And that was, it was awakening. It's not comfortable to get those. <laughs> if that weren't enough to get my attention, he throws in the song, Sanctus Real, Leave Me. And what a powerful song. I've heard it so many times, I, I like the song, but that particular day, that particular moment, my soul listened to that song and just shook me to the core. And I knew, okay, I need to do something. So, through some heartfelt discussions, my beautiful, loving, Understanding, and I say reluctant wife, Carmen, um, honored my conviction um, to look at this church uh, called Connected Four Corners uh, that we've been hearing about. And it was, um, it was hard for all of us. I mean, we, have, we still had good friends there. Um, you know, we weren't saying goodbye to our friends. In fact, the, the good friends we made there are still great friends today. Our first few weeks uh, at Connect, we were just, we were awestruck. We were emotional wrecks, um, taken back by, by the transparency, the authenticity um, of Russ, his message he was delivering, and the people we were meeting. And we just couldn't have been happier, you know, the first few weeks. It was... It was crazy, and, and you know, at one point I even thought, okay, did they know we're coming? They staged all this, what's going on? Um, but it wasn't, you know, we kept coming. Ron's story, there's a lot of aspects that I could talk about in Ron's story, but uh, a couple of the things that he talked about is that he really wanted to lead his family, and he felt the Holy Spirit really prompt, prompting him to lead his family and to, uh, to change where they were going. And so he, he listened to the Holy Spirit. I'm sure each one of us in our own lives and in our own walk with God can really relate to that. At different times, uh, we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to do something. And really, until we do what God is wanting us to do, uh, there is a little bit of a struggle there that goes on. And, and you might find yourself in, in, a, in a place. It could be a dark place. Uh, it could be a very uncomfortable place. Normally it is. Uh, but then when we, we finally do go and do what God wants us to do, then uh, we have no idea what God has in store for us. And I know that Ricky talked about the hallway last week. And when I was listening to Ron talk, I, I thought about the hallway and thinking about those different times in our lives. Uh, now, he necessarily wasn't talking about a desert situation, although it really resonated to me that, you know, he had to make a choice there and he had to open up a door in the hallway and walk through that door. And that's what the Holy Spirit prompts us to do at many different times in our lives. 
But each one of us have worn masks at different times in our lives. Uh, But I have good news for you today. And the good news is that you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Because there's one simple reason why that is true today. And and that simple reason is, is that you are safe with Jesus. You don't have to wear a mask anymore because you are safe with Jesus. And we're going to take a look in the Gospel of John or the book of John. And we're going to take a look at two different uh, accounts uh, with Jesus interacting with two different people. The first person is a Samaritan woman. And then we're going to talk about Thomas, one of the disciples. And what we're going to find out here in these two accounts is, is two things, twofold. That our past is safe with Jesus and our skepticism is also safe with Jesus. So will you turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 4. John is in the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels of the New Testament. And if you don't have a Bible today, uh, we have Bibles, a few of them available back at the connection counter that you can grab. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT if you're on an electronic device and you want to read the same version I'm going to read. Now, we're going to use a, a little bit of, uh, I'm not, we're not going to have all the verses up on the screen. Sometimes we do that. But today, it's such a long thing that I'm just going to kind of talk through most of it. And I'm going to summarize some of it and then read some as well as we work through John chapter 4. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 30. So uh, to, just to set this up, Jesus was traveling between Judea and Galilee. And I think we have a picture here of, of a map. And uh, Judea is on the bottom, Galilee is on the top. So they have to go through this place called Samaria. And if you know anything about Samaritans or Samaria, is that the people of Samaria were, were basically hated by the Jewish people because they were intermingling Jews and Gentiles, and that's how Samaria or Samaritans came to be. And so weren't thought of very nicely at all by the Jewish people. But, but here the disciples and Jesus, here they're traveling up through this area, and they actually stop at a place called Jacob's Well. And, and that's where we get to meet the Samaritan woman. And so in verse 7 here out of John chapter 4, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Well, the woman in verse 9 was very surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for something to drink? Now, at this time, the disciples had gone off to find some food, and Jesus was there at the well alone, talking and conversing with the Samaritan woman. Now, it's really interesting that the Samaritan woman, she is using sarcasm as she's talking with Jesus in the beginning part of this uh, conversation that they're having. And she's really wearing the mask of fake it till you make it kind of a deal. Because in verse 10, Jesus replied to her comment. Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would not ask me this. And I would give you living water. So, she answers Jesus by pointing out that he doesn't even have a rope or a bucket to get this water from. See, she's kind of not getting it, but she wants to stay wearing this mask of fake it till you make it and use sarcasm as a defensive mechanism. And she also takes a shot at him to saying that, that their ancestor Jacob actually dug the well. Once again, kind of using this, uh, this mask of hiding behind 
her, her uh, lineage, saying that Jacob dug the well. But in verse 13, it really gets good because Jesus really starts cutting to the chase. He replied to her saying, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, speaking of the well water. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So basically what Jesus is doing now is he's kind of ignoring her sarcasm. And he is really gently teaching her the difference between the water that comes from the well and the water that he has come to offer people. So then in verse 15, she says, Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water that you're talking about. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get any water. Now, Jesus could have spent a lot of time kind of educating her on this point, but, but he didn't. What he wants to do is really get her to take her mask off. And so if we skip down into verse 15, he goes, he says, Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. When Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And there, here we get Jesus with authenticity. So Jesus is having this dialogue with the Samaritan woman and the Samaritan woman is wearing this mask until it gets to the point to where she starts speaking the truth. And Jesus really keys in on that. And he says this, that they have a short discussion about worship. But in verse 23, it says, Jesus says, but the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Here we get to see spirit and in truth twice now. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who was called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. So here at this point, Jesus reveals to her that he's the Messiah and he is authentic, and she had just started telling the truth herself, so now she's authentic, and she was in a place to where she could receive that. The transparency came through with Jesus. And so the disciples came back, and in verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And once again, I want to make the point that our past or your past is safe with Jesus. The Samaritan woman was hiding her past from Jesus. But Jesus quickly cut to the chase and and showed her that she was hiding from her past. And once she became transparent and became truthful, then Jesus offered her that living water. And Jesus offered her not only the living water, but a healing, a fresh start, a new start. But he needed to get to the real person first until she had, so she could admit that she actually needed to be healed. What a fascinating dialogue between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. And now the same question I have that Jesus had for her, I have for each one of us today. What about you? Are you hiding something from Jesus today? Do you really, really believe and really know that your past is safe with Jesus. And also the next question is, do you know that you can be healed 
when you get real with him because he's in the business of healing us when we get real with who Jesus is. You are safe with Jesus. But here's the rest of the story, and this one is, is pretty interesting. In John chapter 4, verse 20, 39 through 41, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many, many more to hear his message and believe. Wow. So the Samaritan woman was truthful, was authentic with Jesus. Jesus was transparent with her and he was truthful himself and told her exactly who he was and the fact that he was able to give her living water. And then she believed and went back and told her the whole Samaritan village. And then, you know what I think is really cool here at the end of this little story is that Jesus will stay as long as it takes. Jesus will stay as long as it takes. And that really resonated to me is that, you know what? In my life, I know that Jesus has stayed around as long as it took for me to cry out to him with whatever struggle I was going through whatever thing that was happening in my life is that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He stays with us through the thick and the thin and he'll stay with us as long as it takes until we become authentic with him. You are safe with Jesus. That's number one. Now let's take a look at another story about Thomas, the disciple. A lot of times we call Thomas Doubting Thomas. And so if you've heard about this story at all, um, this was a guy who absolutely was not going to wear a fake it till you make it mask. He was just doubting anything. After Jesus resurrected, he didn't see anything happen. And so he was doubting all the accounts that the disciples, other disciples and other people were telling him that Jesus had come back from the dead. Well, let's go ahead and read it in John chapter 20. I'm in now verses 24 through 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came the first time. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Well, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer, believe. And at that point in time, Thomas said, my Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. So we already saw that our past is safe with Jesus. But what we learn here through this experience with Thomas is that our skepticism is safe with Jesus too. Now, I want to put ourselves in Thomas's shoes just for a couple minutes because it's easy for us to kind of mock Thomas a little bit here saying, oh yeah, okay, you can't believe without seeing and and you want to put your hand into his wound and his side and all this kind of stuff. And we kind of think, well, you know, he's kind of going above and beyond there. You know, why does he need all of this proof? Well, we have to understand that Thomas just got done seeing his Lord and his Savior crucified. Somebody who he had walked with for three years, somebody who had taught him 
and, and who he thought was going to be the Messiah. And now all those dreams and, and hopes had been dashed because he had seen him crucified and saw him put into the tomb. And that's the last thing that he saw. And so all the disciples are coming to him and saying all these crazy things. And he's like, you know what? I just, I just don't believe it. He probably was still in mourning. He probably was still in shock. And like I said, he had all his hopes and everything into Jesus. And now Jesus was dead. As far as he knew, Jesus was dead. But here's the amazing part of the story. Once Jesus revealed himself to Thomas, and then Thomas exclaimed and and fell down to his knees, as one translation says, here's what we see is we see that Jesus didn't reject him because Thomas doubted. Uh, Jesus didn't reject him because Thomas even asked some questions. And Jesus didn't kick him out of the club or make him feel stupid or lower his rank or, or any of that. What did Jesus do? Jesus simply said, here I am. Go ahead, touch my wounds. See that this is the real deal. See that I have truly risen again. And basically what Jesus is saying to Thomas is that your skepticism is okay. Your skepticism is safe with me. And how many times in your life and in mine have we had some questions crop into our heads? Maybe question like, is God real? Because does God really exist? And why do bad things happen to good people? I know I've asked that question a lot. Or why did this happen to me? Lord, why, why am I going through this struggle right now? Or here's another question that maybe many of us have asked is that if God is all powerful, then why is there so much evil and sorrow and suffering? In the world. You know, and many times as Christians, you know, we want to try to give an answer when many times there really there really is no answer. And so a lot of times we just come off of, you know, come off as just giving just some half-hearted attempt to answer somebody's deep question. When really the only person that can answer those deep questions are Jesus in our lives. But the one thing that Jesus wants us each to know through our doubts and through our questions and and through the things that we experience in our lives is that he wants us to know that he is there, that we can rely upon him and that he's not going to go anywhere and that we can go ahead and ask our questions. My doubt is safe with Jesus. And you know what? Jesus really gives, gives a chance to show me that He is who he said he is, and he is the I am, and he will be there with me through thick and through thin, through all my doubts, through all of my questions, through all your doubts, and through all of your questions. And I really think that is significant today as we're talking about authenticity. And that's one of the reasons why authenticity is so really important here at Connect. Because we've learned that wearing masks basically just isolates, isolates us from ourselves and from each other and from God. But authenticity, once we take off the mask and get real with Jesus and get real with each other, then that's when real healing will take place in our lives. Authenticity starts by taking off the mask and becoming genuine with Jesus. 
And then it continues as we take off the mask with each other and maybe get involved in connection groups. I know for me that was, that was huge, getting involved in connection groups and getting to know each other and getting to, to really become part of a family. And then it also continues by trusting each other and, and being involved in what Jesus really wants to have happen here at Connect, reaching out to the community and, and coming together and becoming a family of believers. Authenticity, I believe, is directly related to relationship. Authenticity is directly related to my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with each other, with one another. You know, there's a great verse in the Bible that talks a little bit about this. And sometimes this is a scary verse. I have to admit it. This is a scary verse. But James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, when I'm confessing my sins to the Lord and, and, and getting that healing from him and admitting that I'm a sinner and maybe I've blown it, I know that Jesus takes my sins away as far as the east is from the west. And I know that I'm forgiving, forgiven and I know that I'm healed. But when we start getting real with each other and admitting our our shortfalls and admitting our struggles with each other, then that takes it to a whole different level. That really binds us together, like I said, as a family of believers. And, And that's the cool thing is that we are safe with Jesus, but we're also safe here at Connect, one with another, just living this life. We all don't have it figured out. I know I don't. I don't have it all figured out. And I, I think each one of us, if we were to admit it, we, we know that we don't have this, this thing figured out. But as we come together, each one of us brings something different. You know, God has taught me something through my life. God has taught Sean something through his life, Jake and Alicia something through their lives. And as we come together and as we build friendships and build relationships, we get to learn from each other and we get to have somebody there to walk with us through this thing that we call life. Let's bow in his presence. Father God, I thank you so much for, first of all, the fact that you are authentic with us. Father God, I thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. God, that that sacrifice leads uh, to my salvation and not only in eternity, God, but you you have me experience the abundant life here on earth. And I'm so grateful for that. But God, you call us to be authentic with you and to be real with you the way that you've been real with us, God. And so in your word, it says that all of us fall short of your glory. All of us are sinners. But as we call out to you, as we reach out to you, as we admit that we are sinners and and we admit that the only way that we can be healed is through Jesus' sacrifice. Then, God, we become authentic with you. And that's where the healing really takes place. And so, God, as we're bowed in your presence, as we're having a few moments of reflection here this morning, God, I just pray for each one of us, Lord, that maybe if we haven't been authentic with you, that this morning is the morning. God, maybe we've never been authentic with you. 
Or maybe we, we were authentic at one time long, long ago, but through life, through the twists and turns, through circumstances, we've, we've walked far away from you and we've put on this mask. And if we, we've worn this mask for some period of time. So God, if that is us, in either case, God, I would just like to pray. And so if that's you, uh, while we're bowed in his presence, uh, if you want to slip up a hand, I'd like to remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can put your hands down. It's good. It feels good to be authentic. It feels good to be real with Jesus this morning. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer over you if you raised your hand, or, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you, you want to say this prayer, just say this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be Savior, my Savior. I make it personal this morning. God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I've fallen short of, of your standard. But you sent Jesus to be that sacrifice so that I might experience an abundant life and might experience a, a, a resurrection so to speak, in my own life, God. Lord, you, you take my sins away as far as the east is from the west and you make me new. And so I believe that Jesus came to be the sacrifice for my sins. And God, now I believe that as Jesus is the boss of my life, that my future steps have been orchestrated by you. And God, I just call upon your spirit to guide and shape and mold me and change me from the inside out here this morning. God, I thank you once again for your sacrifice. and It's in Jesus' name that I pray. I want to, I want to pray another prayer for each one of us as we're still bowed in his presence in a moment of, of reflection. I know for me, even since I've been a Christian, there's been times where I've worn these different masks and not been authentic with, with either God or, or with others that were around me. And so I would just like to pray a prayer of authenticity over each one of us. Father God, I know that for me, I've worn masks at different time, different times, Lord. And God, I just want to live and worship you in spirit and in truth. And so God, I pray and I come against the, the unauthentic lifestyle that we sometimes live in our lives. God, I want to be authentic with you and I want to be authentic with those that are around me. So God, I pray that you would help me do that each and every day of my life. Lord, I know that each one of us has blown it and and we continue to blow it, but God, you are a faithful God that is there for us and you will walk us through each step of the way as we go through our days. And so I pray for that, that authenticity Lord, that you bring into our lives, that we can carry that out and walk that authenticity out in our lives each and every day. Be with us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.